You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of 8th Grade. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla, back with another video. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever but I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? Kayla, one more week of eighth grade, huh? Huh? I said one more week of eighth grade, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, huh? Okay, so growing up can be a little bit scary and weird. We will begin to explore these changing bodies of yours. It's gonna be lit. As always, make sure to share and subscribe to my channel, Gucci. I think you're so cool. Maybe you just need to put yourself out there a little. I'm gonna stop no, eating with you if you I'm keep saying one. You said I could say one thing. I'm really, like, nervous all the time. I try really hard not to feel that way. But you just need to face your fears and let people know they're really you. Just grab my phone, how to charge it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I charge it too. But my, my phone, I... Just because things are happening right now doesn't mean they're always gonna happen. Who was in there? Just sort of my hopes and dreams. Right. I was a complete mess when I was your age. Really? Eighth grade is the worst. You never know what's next. And that's what makes things exciting and scary and fun. When did you get Snapchat? What grade? All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Eighth Grade, and the story is as follows. Eighth grader Kayla Day always has her phone in hand, hoping to find connections online that might make up for those things she's unable to forge in everyday life. She makes YouTube videos aimed at other adolescents dealing with similar issues, feelings of isolation, anxiety, and invisibility. But after so easily summoning this wisdom and confidence when addressing her barely existent audience, Kayla finds it paralyzingly difficult to apply in real-life situations. In the final week of a thus far disastrous school year, and with high school looming on the horizon, Kayla struggles to bridge the gap between how she perceives herself and who she believes she should be. The film is starring Elsie Fisher and Josh Hamilton. It is written and directed by Bo Burnham. Joining me for this review, I have Will Mavity. Hi, everybody. I've never seen a film make me that anxious before. And also joining us is one of our Patreon contributors, Becca Richin. Hello, hello. I agree with Will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, uh, you know, everyone talks about how Hereditary is, you know, the scariest movie of the year, and this film... Holy God. <laughs> oh, man. This this was like anxiety, stress, uh, and just pure hysteria turned up to 11. I haven't felt that stressed and on the edge of my seat 
as I did in a certain scene involving the back of a car since, I don't know, I saw Gravity in theaters the first time. I mean, the way this film, particularly amazing given that Bo Burnham is a first-time director, seems just lab-designed to pinpoint all of your human stress centers and play them up is just fascinating. It is astonishingly accessible, particularly because I was never a 15-year-old girl. But let me ask you this question, though. I mean, like, you say that it's the most, like, stressful scene you've seen this year or maybe even of the last couple of years in film – why do you think that anxiety, not just in that one scene that you're referring to, but throughout the whole movie, why do you think that translates so well? Because you're not alone in this feeling. I, I, this is a deliberate feeling that Bo Burnham wants us to experience while watching Eighth Grade. He wants us to feel um, that anxiety and that tension. Probably because it's so relatable. I mean, all of us have been through Eighth Grade and all of us have been through that awkward stage. I know I certainly had that pool scene. I mean, I think something exactly like that happened to me when I was in eighth grade, walking into a pool party where, you know, one person and, you know, everyone kind of already has their clicks figured out and you're the odd one coming in. Like that's happened to me. So of course I'm going to flash back to that moment and feel the anxiety that I felt in real life. I think that's why watching it on screen, it's so painful. But what's fascinating is when I was in eighth grade, you know, Facebook was just rearing up. Uh, We didn't have Snapchat. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have any of this. And yet at the same time, I could imagine exactly what it would be like if all of those new developments had factored into my eighth grade experience. Yeah, I would say the thing I was most grateful for while watching the film was definitely that I didn't have to deal with that added layer when I was in uh, eighth grade or middle school. (laughs) I almost don't remember what life was like, almost. It's very unusual, seeing as how much those um, social media platforms that you mentioned there, Will, have taken over our lives I, like, I do remember eighth grade. I, I kind of do. But for me, it's just blurry because it was so different. I was so different. I think we all feel like Kayla at one point in our lives. Maybe it's not eighth grade for some of us. But even those who are on the outside looking like they're cool and they have everything all figured out as like some of the other girls in this film uh, do – who knows what they're going through on the inside? Um, even her father at one point tells her in the film that, you know, these girls who look like they're so cool may have other stuff going on that she's not aware of. And the film doesn't necessarily go into that. But I mean, I think that's extremely true no matter what. So we all agree that the film somehow manages to be relatable to pretty much everyone. Yeah. And that's why everybody likes it. But what else particularly stood out to you? Other than just on a visceral level, I felt like I was back in eighth grade while watching this movie. Well, the biggest thing for me, and I was thinking a lot about, like, why am I so invested in this film? You know, obviously I was not, you know, a a girl in eighth grade at one point. Uh, Yes, some of the feelings are relatable, but why, why am I so invested in this story? And I think it's because Bo Burnham chooses to... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Kind of um, put a flag 
in the middle of like the timeline of the film uh, and in the beginning and at the end with these videos that Kayla makes. And these videos are, you know, they're clunky, they're awkward. She stumbles her words. She ums and likes her way through the entire thing. But the life lessons that she is trying to tell us, be yourself, put yourself out there, be confident, and also about growing up. They're so earnest and so genuine that even if it's the most simplistic message imaginable, and some of the um, some of some of the words that she uses in the in the thought process that she's trying to convey kind of overlaps. It's just that she's saying it a little differently. <laughs> she's such a good character, like I, I mean that like not not just in a well written sense. I mean just as a good person, and she's cool. Like everyone constantly tells her that she's cool, even if she doesn't think that she's cool, and that just makes her all the more lovable. I wouldn't say she's cool at all. I mean, I think oh no, she's, come she's on, she's preaching platitudes and she doesn't practice what she preaches. Well, she gets better at it though. She grows as a character before our very eyes. I think her advice is for herself. I don't think she thinks that you know by preaching uh, confidence that she is confident. I think maybe she would like to appear confident to her what zero subscribers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I think it's mostly for herself, and I think she realizes that. Yeah, I, I would not call her cool at all, but I think she has the potential to be a great person. All right, down so wait, the wait, line. let me get this straight. When her dad calls her cool, or when her uh, nerdy friend Gabe, who she has like a hangout date with later on in the film, they eat like chicken nuggets and french fries, he thinks she's cool. Um, the high schooler that she gets paired up with to know what high school life is going to be like, she thinks she's cool. Like, you guys don't think that you guys think they're all lying? Do you think that the girl that was paired to be her mentor actually thinks that she's cool? I do. Actually. I actually I do because the film like never it. gives us any reason to doubt otherwise. I think she seems like your classic high school, really nice person. She's probably in student council. She probably knows what it's like to be in eighth grade. Like, I mean, there were moments when they were hanging out that you could tell that the girl was like, that was a weird thing to say, but I'm going to save the situation right now because I... I think that you're a nice person and you're probably too young. Becca's describing high school self. But there right is now. like, a, I mean, yes. Okay. There is a mentor quality to, because uh, I remember actually, I actually do remember that getting paired up with a high schooler uh, in eighth grade and, you know, that person being very nice and trying to be very welcoming and so on and so forth. I get that. I totally do. But like I said, Bo Burnham doesn't give us any indication that, they would think otherwise. And come on, the fact that she puts herself out there and does make these YouTube videos, that alone makes her freaking cool. Because how many people do that? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that do that. Yeah, but a lot. Mil millions, Matt, but, millions. I mean, I'm, but, guys, I think you got to give her a little bit more credit. Nerd! Oh, fine. I, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. But you know what else is worthwhile mentioning is that it's not just that she's a really nice person. Elsie Fisher is fire. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. Now, I don't know. Has anyone here watched her, like, in interviews where she is just being herself and not playing yes. the character? Okay, because yeah. I actually haven't. Is she different? Does she appear, like, more confident? Or does she, you know what I mean? Like, how much of it is her? How much of it is performance? What have you been able to take away from that so far? Because I haven't seen her in interviews yet. 
So I've seen her in a couple interviews with Bo Burnham and, you know, first Bo Burnham always, you know, is talking for a few minutes, then he passes it over to Elsie. And I got a little nervous the first time I was like, oh, is is she going to be okay in an interview situation? Just because I thought she played her character so well, I figured there probably wasn't going to be much of a divide between her character and who she is in real life, especially because she was, I think she was 13 when, uh, 13 going on 14. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, when, when she was uh, acting in the film and when you're 13, 14, you're probably not going to be great in interview situations, no matter how many movies you've been in, just because that's a nervous age. Uh, But she was great. She knew what she was talking about. I think she, you know, was very eloquent. Uh, I think she was also a 14-year-old girl who is going to say like and um, just because that's the way it is. But uh, yeah, she was she did pretty well. So did it seem like in eighth grade she was actually acting and not just playing herself? I think well, that's what we're getting at. Hmm, I, I think she was acting. Yeah. But, but I think it was kind of a natural. Okay. So that, that's, that's what we were curious about. Is it just an incredible performance or is she actually just an awkward eighth grade girl? I always think back to someone like Gabourey Sibide uh, from Precious and how in that movie, you know, it's a totally different character than the one that she was on the circuit, essentially. And I mean, she just managed to charm the pants off of everyone. And I could, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say this. I, I honestly believe that if this film picks up steam, which I think it will, because audiences love this film, I really do see a path where Elsie Fisher could be in the best actress conversation. Really? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I genuinely believe it. I think so. I do think also because this film is so damn relatable, I think there's a chance it beats Lady Bird to become A24's highest grossing film to date. I do think the fact it's R is going to cut out a lot of its key audiences, namely people who are actually in eighth grade. But I think it, I mean, it has a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like Lady Bird, where everybody related to it, therefore everybody likes it. It's rated R. Yeah. That's yeah. Surprising. There's a couple of mentions of the word fuck in there. Um, and that's really kind of what pushes it over. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than that, because I just rewatched it recently. I, I was looking for reasons why it could be rated R because I think you're right. I think this film probably could have been PG-13. I don't know if they needed um the, the vulgarity that got at the R rating because there is one scene where she gets a little curious and she's looking up about things like oral sex and stuff. But <laughs> I, about that. Oh, there, I, I don't, re- you know, I, you know, I don't recall there being any explicit sexual content to the point where it was like, Oh, slap it with the R rating. That's, that's my MPAA impression. Okay. <laughs> so I, I definitely think that, Maybe with a bit of you know parental guidance and caution, I I could see uh, a, a reason why maybe some younger teenagers, thirteen, fourteen years old, could still see this movie. I think it's a good life lesson movie, if anything. Oh, it's a fantastic life lesson movie. Um, it also I think is so important that people this a at that age group see the film because the film, though we don't see her move on into high school, the film is very clear that it gets better. And I think that is a message that when you're 14 years old is hard to really appreciate. And I think that the ending of this film left me feeling very optimistic. 
which there's a lot to be said for that. Let me ask, what are some of your favorite scenes since you just rewatched it? Uh, obviously, the car scene, definitely. Your favorite scene? <laughs> yeah, no, because it's 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 expertly well done in terms of its tension, performance, the editing uh, to keep us in suspense, um, the fact that it's shot entirely in darkness, which. I don't know why, but like for some reason that kind of effect made me lean into it more, which made me even more uncomfortable. So that was a really, really uh, good standout scene. The other scene uh, that I thought was really well done was, of course, the pool party scene, uh, mostly because of just the amount of kids that are <laughs> in the in the scene. And, and that's one of the things I, I love that Bo Burnham does with this film is he captures little tiny details that are so yes. authentic and genuine. And it could be something as silly as a kid off screen just randomly shouting, LeBron James. Oh, and like, how about that kid in the close up who's like, I remember at like the lunch table, there'd always be that one kid who could do something weird with his body. So, like, there's the kid who's like twisting his eyelids upwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yep. Yeah. Or, or like the kid who's made like the, the Tower of Markers. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I used to do that all the time. I love doing that. Yeah, same. See, like, th- there are so many examples of that here that as a viewer, you don't have to necessarily have been Elsie as a 13 year old girl to get something out of this. Now, I also wonder, too, how much of that is generational, because I I would be very curious to know if I showed this to um, my parents one day, how they would react to it. And I think a lot of that would come through in what I believe is the most thankless role of the year, but he's absolutely fantastic. Josh Hamilton, who plays her father in this. Um, that's a role that's not going to get him any awards recognition or anything like that, unfortunately. But man, oh man, is he so, so, so great. He's had a good year between that and Blaze. And he, you're right, he is just so effortly sympathetic. He, you know, you watch him and all of a sudden you feel like you're a teenage kid being like, oh, my dad's such a dork. Because half the things he says are grown worthy. But at the same time, you know why he's saying them. He genuinely loves his daughter. He's trying to support her without... um the mom in the picture. And, you know, I mean, he, he's been there. I mean, presumably he was awkward as shit when he was in middle school too. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I think the parents who go to see this, of anyone who has a kid in eighth grade and has to deal with him coming home and slamming the door or not talking at dinner, they are going to relate to him. I think he's a pretty accurate kind of awkward dad. Uh, no, I, I had never noticed him before this year as an actor, but you're right. He was very, very impressive. I think yeah. it's also possible that parents could uh, empathize with Elsie? Kayla. Oh, yeah. Yeah, why not? They were in eighth grade, too. I mean, it's been a while, so probably they'll first empathize with the parents. But, yeah, yeah why not? My dad always says seventh and eighth grade were, to this day, the worst years of his life. And mm-hmm. he's 60 years old. So that's that's pretty impressive. If those two years are still remembered as the worst time of his life, they may not have had computers back then. But uh, uh, he remembers the the clickiness and the bullying for sure. I, I remember my uh, my I think it was my dad. My dad said to me that I was the most difficult to deal with during that time because I wouldn't talk. To my parents, the same way Kayla doesn't talk to her father at all. Um, I would just come home. Hey, how was school? Great. Go, go to my room and like just isolate myself. You know what I mean? And 
I do find it very interesting. Uh, I'm going to give a little spoiler here. There's a scene where Kayla does come home and she runs straight to her room and the sound in the film cuts out and clearly you could tell that she has knocked some stuff over in her room. Her dad immediately goes into the room and she's on the floor and he's trying to like console her as best as he can, but she's like kind of waving him away and stuff and like kind of hitting him with her, with her arms. Like she doesn't want to actually be consoled in any way, shape or form. But that scene brought a tear to my eye because of how much that that child wanted to be isolated and just wanted to be alone and how much that, that paternal love still shined through. And I, 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 man, it's getting me choked up just thinking about it right now. Um, the love that parents have for their children, especially in those moments where, you know, you look back on it now and it's like a breakup or, um, you know, nerves over a very stressful test or whatever, you know, we might've all gone through when we were younger. It just felt like our entire lives were crumbling around us, but our parents were always there, you know, or, you know, for most of us, at least, I I don't know that like that just warms my heart so much to see a scene like that in the film. The scene that really got me was when they were sitting at the dinner table and she had her headphones in and was scrolling through whatever Instagram. And he was just trying to have a conversation with her at the dinner table. And she was kind of blowing him off until eventually she, you know, annoyingly has to take her headphones out and uh, respond to whatever her dad is saying. But she's not interested in the conversation. And it made me feel really bad for him because he's alone with his daughter who won't engage with him. You know, it's not like... He's probably filled with social interaction during the day. This is what he's looking forward to most. And she's just not interested. And I think it's an age that is probably going to pass pretty soon. Because I I think in high school, it it gets better from that. Middle school is probably when you're at least interested in interacting with your parents. But uh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. I I have to say, I I have to give some credit to Bo Burnham for really honing in on uh, Elsie Fisher and her character, Kayla over um, the father played by Josh Hamilton. And I say this because they could have easily have had a storyline where the single dad meets, you know, a new woman, let's say, and they could have had this whole storyline about how, oh, she's replacing my mom and so on and so forth. I mean, how many times have we seen that before in other movies? But the fact that Bo Burnham does not do that and he keeps the story entirely focused on Kayla I, I think it helps to give the film even more emotional resonant impact. So let me ask you this. His, we, we've determined that his writing is splendid because it taps into think something he doesn't understand. Oh, he's absolutely let's, brilliant. I mean, we all if you've ever seen his stand-up, we all know that he's brilliant. But let's talk about his other aspects. So his writing is great. What did you think about his physical directing? What did you think about the film's editing, et cetera, et cetera? Like from a directorial standpoint, what did you think about him on that? Well, what do you think? Oh, I thought oh, I, I thought the film technically was very well directed too. In that there were scenes in the film he deliberately executes with the buildup of a horror film, like the way Anna Meredith's score comes in when uh, she's preparing to go outside the pool party, and the music's like. Bwah! But, you know, you have like this very experimental electronic score in the background. Didn't you get like he chose to take this scene like a horror film? Oh, it's splendidly creative. It may not have all like the swooping dollies and cranes or something of like a Fincher film, but his direction is very assured. I will say this. I I actually think it's more stylistic 
um, direction than what Greta Gerwig did in Lady Bird. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I don't know if it's necessarily as well put together and constructed. Um, I think the one thing that maybe harms this film a little bit is, is it's editing at times, but I would say my favorite thing that he does stylistically in this, uh, just because I, I, I got a laugh out of the audience every single time I've seen it so far is whenever, um, the camera cuts to her, I was going to say high school crush, but it's not, it's like middle school crush. Uh, this kid Aiden, who is like this <laughs> very uninteresting, I, I guess, for, for that age, good looking, um, kind of blah personality type kid who's just like trying to act so cool by being uninteresting. But it, there's like this moment where it's an extreme close up of his face and his head is down. And then he like lifts his head up and his eyes open. And the minute his eyes open, that score comes in and it's like, and it's like, the funniest thing because everything then goes into like slow motion and she's like staring <laughs> at him with her mouth wide open oh my god just even thinking about it it is hysterical to me that is my that is my favorite single thing that Bo Burnham does and it's because he, he does it I think twice in the film <laughs> and it's just it's so so funny I love it what about the editing bothered you um I did kind of start to feel the pacing of the film maybe start to slog a little bit uh towards the end Especially because, and, and this is and this is a good thing in a way too. Um, I didn't know where the film was going, like I didn't know what it was leading up to. Um, so that's a good thing in in terms of keeping me on my toes. But even for such a short film, I did feel that like the narrative momentum was starting to kind of um, give out a little bit by the, by the end. Yeah, and that that's you know these these slice of life movies where there isn't so much of a plot. That's obviously always going to be something they run into. There isn't like a a single. There's a theme, but there's not a single overriding storyline. I, I do want you know we kind of touched on it, but I do want to give a shout out. I thought Anna Meredith was her score was fantastic. Oh, it's one of the best scores I've heard this year, easily. Yeah, I've been trying to listen to it on its own, and it doesn't necessarily work as well for just like, I'm going to sit and relax and play something in the background listening. But in context, it's so perfect. Yeah, oh yeah, no, no. When you put the images up on screen, the way Bo Burnham shoots everything, like I said, very stylistically, with the score, it works. Um, I can't imagine listening to it on its own, because it is kind of chaotic and messy and loud and all over the place. And I think that's all deliberate. I listened to the entire album as background music for writing you an article yesterday. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was an experience. Is that why the article was chaotic, messy, and all over the place? Uh... That's, that's, that's very rude of you. Very... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. Let's move over to final thoughts. Oscar potential grades out of 10. Becca, you first. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, well, something that I hadn't mentioned yet that I think is so brilliant was I, I uh, watched an interview with Bo Burnham and Elsie Fisher, and Bo Burnham said that he wanted the internet to play a character in the film, and I think he was really successful in doing that. Uh, and and I also I'm so impressed that he said that he sat down at a computer and he really wanted to kind of get his thoughts on what the internet is turning into uh, on paper and that he somehow found the voice of a 13-year-old girl. And if I had just read the script not knowing who wrote it, I would assume that a woman wrote it. I think he did a really amazing job portraying a 13-year-old girl having never been one. Uh, so 
I guess I I probably give this film like an 8.5 out of 10. I don't know if we I don't know. do point fives. No, 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 no. Oh, point you don't fives. do point fives. Got it. Got to go okay. an eight or a nine, girl. Got to do an eight or a nine. All right, then I'm gonna give it an eight. I don't think it deserves the nine. Uh, and I'm I I don't know if I have too lenient of a scoring system. I don't know if you guys are uh, traditionally more critical. Oh, I'm I'm the worst. I'm rude. I give everything like. But Matt's very generous. I well, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna stick with an eight. Um, Oscar potential. Honestly, when I saw it at Sundance, I did not think it would become as mainstream as Matt, you seem to think that it will or that it currently is. Uh, So I'm definitely surprised that it could potentially have Oscar potential. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you say it does, then I say, hell yeah. All right. Because I know you watched a ton of videos on this. Any other thoughts on the making of the film at all? Um, well, it wasn't really on the making of, it was really, uh, you know, how he got the, how Bo got the inspiration. Um, I was, I guess, a little bit, um, pessimistic, I guess, watching it, uh, as, you know, he was talking about the future of the internet because it really spurned from him thinking, what is the internet becoming? Like the internet is a direct reflection of whatever society is at the time. You know, we're molding it to be whatever we want it to be. And the fact that we've molded it to be what it currently is, doesn't that just make you feel awful? Well, I I think it's very interesting because I do believe that each social media platform has its own purpose. And I do believe that depending on where you are in life, you use it for a different purpose. So for example, the reason why somebody like Kayla may use Snapchat, you know, to play around with the filters, make goofy photos may not be the reasons why, you know, I use Snapchat. Oh, we know you're like faces on yourself, Matt. That's all you're doing on it. Uh, Usually it's just to communicate a message or an experience or usually something like that. You know, Um, the reasons why she uses Instagram where she's just scrolling through and she's liking everything, you know, may not be the same reasons why I may use Instagram. And I think that's definitely, uh, that's definitely the difference of a 13, 14 year old using it versus a 28 year old using it. You know, who knows, this is, this is a really freaky thing, you know, and talking about the future, who knows how a kid who at a younger age, who was kind of born into this world of the internet and was given access to these social media platforms at a young age, who knows how they will, at that age, at like say age 28, 30, whatever, how they will be using it versus how we use it. You know what I mean? Dude, I saw an, I saw an eight-year-old Snapchatting in the doctor's waiting room yesterday and it freaked me out so much. Well, but like ask yourself this question. When that eight-year-old is 28, do you think they're still going to be using Snapchat in the doctor's waiting room? Uh, no, I think Snapchat won't exist, but I think their entire culture of let's share everything and have no privacy will have continued. But there's a dark, there's a deep existential dread that I take from seeing the way <laughs> this entire generation is growing up with out the ability to go outside and play with friends in person. Yeah. And maybe I'm being a little bit too unfair to the internet because I, you know, I, I think it has a purpose for me. I know I read a lot of articles. I'm learning a lot, but in the film, you know, because she's in eighth grade, she's probably not reading the articles that I'm reading. So she was spending all of, you know, most of her day going through 
social media feeds that were just completely devoid of content. <laughs> you know, pictures, the selfies. That's what it mostly was that she was double tapping on. Oh, and I loved having Inya's uh, Orinoco flow in the background. Yeah, not to be forgotten. That was an amazing musical choice. But, like, it's very interesting, though, because obviously I think that's what his – his uh, his social commentary is all is all about you know is the use of the internet and how it's uh, shaped personalities of people and how we also perceive the world how we perceive um, ourselves and so on and so forth. But what's very interesting about that is the way Kayla perceives herself and how she thinks the world perceives her. I don't think that it's so different than what it was like for us before the internet was so prevalent in our lives. Maybe it is worse, but I don't think it's all that different. Yeah, I definitely think it's worse. Maybe I got. I guess I got to take a trip down memory lane. Uh, well, Becca also, I think, had, compared to you and I, probably had a very nice middle school experience. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was pretty awkward, and I was. I was. I, I don't know. I acted out a lot in middle school. You know, tried to like put myself out there, be a class clown, get get attention. You know, and stuff like that. And I don't know why to this day. I actually don't know why. Can we all just share, three of us share a particularly awkward eighth grade experience? Oh, God. I think it would be a good way to bond if all three of us shared for our listeners something you're comfortable sharing. Too many to choose from. Oh, my gosh. I'll just go ahead and say mine. This was seventh grade, but I was on a rope swing and I was pantsed by a bully um, bathing suit and all. So everything's hanging out as the girls camp rode by. On, in kayaks. Won't forget that one anytime oh my, soon. That's traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's abuse. Like, you really just set a whole bar that... <laughs> I, I did a, um, I did a class project that nobody understood. And I'm pretty sure to this day that my teacher gave me an A or a B, I don't remember what it was, just because of the enthusiasm I p- displayed with it. But I remember <laughs> the feeling of doing the project and like being in front of the class and nobody having any clue what I was talking about, what what any of like my jokes were, like nothing. And I remember it, it destroyed me until I got the grade. Then everything felt better. But up until receiving that grade, I... I it, it, like it, it just it just killed me. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, I was one of the news anchors for the morning news, very coveted role. And uh, you know, days where you're just kind of off that day, like your jokes don't land. Uh, you know, you kind you stumble over your words. You can't really pronounce anything correctly, and you just think, "Man, today's not my day." Imagine having that, but on the morning news where everyone is watching in homeroom. I, w- I just couldn't pronounce anything right. I uh, It was just extremely embarrassing to the point where people were like, what was going on with you this Aww. morning on the news? Oh, Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. Your turn, Will. Final thoughts, grade out of 10, and Oscar potential. Yeah. I'm giving it a solid eight. I really like this film. You know, oh, it's the- why do I feel like you downgraded from a nine? Because I, I feel like I can't give anything nines. Or That's tens. bullshit. You say you can't give anything tens. Uh, it's gonna keep going down, so eventually nothing gets higher than a six. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll give it. That's a joke, by the way. Uh, I'll give it a nine. No, no, no. Okay, no, but now you gotta explain your reasoning why you were an eight and now you why you just went to a nine. <laughs> okay, to be honest. Usually my harshest reviews come immediately or in the day or so after I've seen the film. Luckily for eighth grade, 
the majority of nitpicks I had with it have flitted away from my memory because I saw it in January. And since I am on the East Coast, I have not had a chance to see it again. So I have forgotten anything I disliked about it and only remember the things I liked. And for that reasoning, for the just powerful, powerful emotional impact it had on me, it gets a nine. Oscar prospects. Wait, wait, hold on. I've got to ask another question, actually, before you get to Oscar prospects. Better, the same, or worse than your other nine film from last year, but I know you were very enthusiastic about Lady Bird. I adore Lady Bird so much, but I do, just because that had a little bit more heart, but I do really, really like this film. Okay. Oscar prospects, we got to see how much money it makes when it goes wide. If it makes money, then I think it's in the conversation for a picture, screenplay, and even actress nom. Um, we'll see how adventurous the Academy's score branch is feeling if they're willing to acknowledge the score as well. Yeah, I, I echo those exact same thoughts, actually, in terms of its Oscar potential. I could see a path where the love and the enthusiasm and passionate support from people could catapult this to the big dance the same way uh, Lady Bird was able to Lady last Bird year. Lady Bird came out in November, whereas this is coming out in July. It's got to make money so it stays in the conversation. Like, yeah, that but, is. But you know what? Like, listen, this early on, we still don't know which Oscar contenders that we're waiting for later on the fall will land and which ones will not i'd say right now assuming that everything worked itself out just on merit alone those four nominations uh, the picture the screenplay elsie fisher and score those are definitely the most likely and if it were to have i think it's best day ever i think it does get those four okay so I've just, it's just prospects i'm not i'm not saying it's going to get them like a hundred percent i'm not a fortune teller you know I cannot predict the future, but what I can say is I can say on merit alone, it deserves to be in the conversation for those four. Um, I am giving this a 9 out of 10. No reservations. I, I've seen it twice now, and I think it holds up incredibly well. Um, I think it's funny, heartbreaking, heartwarming. It's got a great message. It's well-made. I, I wouldn't say it's like the most well-made film I'll see this year, but it's well-made enough to the point that it feels singular. It has a voice. And I think it's a very special film. I definitely think it's a very, very, very special film. One that is going to resonate for a lot of people. And like like I was saying, keep it in the conversation. That could just be optimism speaking here. But you know what? We need a little bit of optimism right now, don't we all? All right, so here's what I'm going to ask for everyone. I'm going to ask everyone to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet, and you got to do your best Gucci. So, Becca, let's see. Let's hear it from you. Where can they find you on the internet? Okay, so uh, I I take kind of a Bo Burnham uh, point of view to the internet, and mostly think, what is this? So I, you can't really find me uh, many places on the internet, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to leave it at that, but uh, Gucci. She does have a really embarrassing Twitter account that you should hunt down and find. No, that's why I didn't bring it up. It hasn't been, uh, and nothing's been tweeted from there in four years, and everything is very embarrassing. I Although may or may not link to it anyway, just just throwing it out there. <laughs> oh, um, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at Mavericks Movies. Gucci! <laughs> 
And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast review of 8th Grade. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. And always, if you are feeling kind, just like Becca once was at some point, head over to our Patreon. You can subscribe for at least $1 minimum a month. You get some exclusive podcast content on there. Thank you so much for listening, and okay, here it goes. Gucci! Gucci! No, Matt, it needs to be more feminine. Come on, make it just like uh, Elsie Fisher was. Gucci. (laughs) Where is he? Gucci! Okay. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.